you know, they're, it's not an organization that's going to be down very long. So they, they need to get back to the playoffs because baseball needs that. Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect. Just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games, or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the 10th edition of the Sports Forecasters. We are in the double digits, Nick. We've made it this far. Uh, how how you doing, man? How, I mean, 10 episodes. This is pretty awesome. Yep, not feeling any fatigue. Still ready to go. Feeling like a young pup still, so still have a little edge. Let's see what we're looking into today. Nathan, what do we have on the docket? Well, we have just a quick wrap-up of the March Madness. My favorite time of the year has come to an end, unfortunately. But we have some things to look forward to, right? The baseball season just kicked off. So we're going to have our initial guesses at division winners. So you want to stay tuned for that. But we're going to end this show with our guesses for the Masters. And we're going to play a little game. We got we got a little, uh, little trivia, a little uh, guessing game here, what we expect the Masters uh, to kind of play out. So th- this will be a lot of fun. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Um, it's kind of like one of those uh, Fox Sports bet things you have, and it's like an over-under sort of thing, and you have to guess all these different things. So we're going to have some fun with that. I'm really looking forward to that. But uh, I do want to tell you a quick story. Um uh, gosh, today it was, uh, you know, we were recording this on Wednesday, so I know you're probably listening to this on Friday, but uh, today, uh, you know, right the day before the Masters, even though they've kicked off, um, my wife, she comes up to me and she's like, do you know what I really miss doing with you? You know, and there's like a number of things in my head, like, oh man, I'm not even going to try to guess. So I'm like, what, what is it? What do you miss? She's like, I miss playing golf with you. And I will say this, all you husbands out there, be jealous. I'm sure most of you have to beg your wife to golf, but my wife wants to go golfing with me. So I can't be a happier guy. I know baseball season around the corner, but this is golf season for me. And when my wife's excited to golf with me and the Masters are here, you know, this is a, this is really close to March Madness excitement. So this is April Madness, and I love it. Very nice. Before we get to golf, Nathan, like you said, we're going to wrap up the men's tournament. Just kind of a quick overview of how brackets went and what we saw from the game. So, Nathan, why don't you start us off? What is, what is your takeaway from it? Yeah, so first off, I tied for the the lead. I tied for the the winner, I guess, in our bracket challenge. So, Nick, who was the winner? Who, who, who tied with, with B in the bracket challenge? Well, Nathan tied with an individual that actually was a sports reporter for our home area. His name is Ryan Squanda. He's a Michigan native. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and look at how did the Final Four go and how the championship looked. Nathan, what was your takeaway? We picked the Final Four in a championship right before, you know, the Final Four began. And um, if we got to pick the championship winner after the Final Four, I'm not going to sit here and say I would have flip-flopped because I wasn't going to 
to let off Gonzaga, but I I would have thought that it was it was going to be a tight one for Gonzaga and it was going to be a battle because watching Gonzaga play UCLA, UCLA is not a dynamic offensive team. They're a very efficient offensive team, but not dynamic. They're not going to put up 70, 80, 90 points a game. They're going to be in the 60s. They're really good at defense, though. So when I saw Gonzaga winning 93-90, to I was really concerned about their defense. I don't know if they're just fatigued. They've played a lot of games. I feel like they didn't really get breaks in during the season because of COVID. I know a lot of teams like Baylor did, and I wonder if that had anything to do with it. Uh, but also maybe just that the intensity of the moment got to them because, you know, this isn't the, the only time they flopped in the finals game, Gonzaga. Back in 2017, they had a huge double-digit lead on North Carolina at halftime, and they blew that, and North Carolina won the, the national title. And then in 2006, Adam Morrison, man, the, the man, the myth, the legend out of Gonzaga, and just could not finish. So just looking at history, kind of looking at how the, the semis were, and just seeing Baylor destroy Houston, you know, I would have thought twice about this game, believe it or not, but... Probably would have not let off of Gonzaga, but thought it was going to be a lot closer than what I previously said in, in the previous uh, po- uh, podcast recording that you guys listened to. So I'm really just sad. I'm really disappointed because Mark Few is a great coach, and he deserves a national championship. And he's been so loyal to Gonzaga. He's been there for 22 years. He's had so many great programs, so many great players. And it just would have been so nice for him to get his first championship with an undefeated season, especially with the, the sort of season that we've had. It's just been a good story, and, and you know, and you kind of fall in love with that. But just seems like a typical Gonzaga team, you know, in history. Just the lights are the brightest. This, these power six, I guess, got to throw the big east in there. They they find a way to, to, to win this thing year after year. So I hope Gonzaga comes back next year and makes another run for it, though. What, what are your takeaways? Not too much different from what you're saying Houston Baylor really thought oh we saw the Houston team we've kind of been thinking was going to happen where they may have been just a little overseeded but I mean it just came down to a trend I've seen in the last two championships that have been contended here in 2021 with the Super Bowl and now the finals for the March Madness tournament where just that stifling physical defense seems to be the key up to this point for teams to win those championships. Buccaneers came with that aggressive defense and took it to the Kansas City Chiefs, and Baylor was just swarming Gonzaga. They were in their face, they were physical, and just Gonzaga never really got on track. I had a small glimmer of hope when Gonzaga brought it in within nine, but then Baylor just turned on the Jets, and that was it. So the big thing was it's just like, hats off to Baylor for having that solid plan and just executing and I we were talking off air about this about just the inability in college it seems to figure out in game how to adjust when they throw this punch at you like the Syracuse zone it took for a week for a team to be able to look at it view it to break that apart and just dismantle it and Baylor, what they did to Gonzaga, they didn't look prepared, and people kept saying fatigued. I and like you said, maybe it was fatigue, but it just looked like they saw 
a similarity in the pattern of their offense and they just took it away and they look lost on what to do quite frankly so hats off the Baylor great job on winning it and, and yeah like you said it stinks not to see that perfect season but it is what it is and that's why we watch those things absolutely I mean that it's absolutely right just the, the stars of Gonzaga just not sh- did not show up whether it's fatigue and experience or what it was uh just it wasn't there but uh hats off to Baylor as you said but uh, that wraps up the the college basketball season as sad as it can be but you know Duke wasn't in it so uh I'm looking forward to next year, and hopefully they can make a comeback. But you know what? It's time to move to a different sport, a sport that we have yet to cover, that we will now cover in our 10th episode, and that is the Major League Baseball. So we're going to start this year off with our projections of each division. And let's start with the American League. We have the AL East. Now, who do you think is going to be winning that division? All right, so... In the AL East, the last two seasons, 2020, we had Tampa Bay in a COVID-shortened season win the division, and then in 2019, the New York Yankees won it. Quite honestly, one of these two teams, I feel like, will be the division winner. However, it will not be 2020-shortened season team, who I feel like, it's just kind of like the Miami Heat. They just, the right circumstances lined up for them to end up winning that division. Not to say they can't be a comparable team down the stretch, but I believe the AL East, division champion will be the New York Yankees. Um, high payroll. They know how to get their pitching around. They brought they brought in uh, Kluber and Jameson. Bringing in those two pitchers to sure up their bullpen, I think that gives them the edge to win the AL East. Who do you have, Nathan? Yes, yeah, so we agree here. I got the Yankees too, and I think you nailed about Tampa Bay and the and the and making it to the World Series. They are them and the Heat were just a replica of each other. I feel like it's just right circumstances it just seemed like the type of team to like small team young team they they would thrive in that situation so i I totally agree there but yeah new york's gonna new york's gonna take this It's just the most talented team we have a a normal season now so unless something drastic happens with the season with COVID and whatnot i don't see the yankees losing this so i have the yankees there so let's go to this al central uh who do you got here AL Central, last two seasons, the Minnesota Twins have won the division. As an Ohio native, I always hope Cleveland's in contention. They don't necessarily have to win it. Obviously, last two seasons, they haven't. Oh, man, I'm really waffling on this one. This one's going to be a very interesting race. Not only are the Minnesota-Cleveland are the two I'm looking at, a lot of hype around the Chicago White Sox. So if the White Sox can kind of get themselves on track, it's only six games in. Right now, they're not looking the hottest in the standings at the recording of this episode. But for me, Minnesota, Cleveland, it's between those two, oh, man. And for right now, early on, I'm going to just go with Minnesota. They have the championship experience. They know what it takes to win the division. Don't count Cleveland out. But I'm going with Minnesota as my AL Central division champ. How about you? I got Minnesota. I think they're going to defend their crown here in the AL Central. I do think the Detroit Tigers will will make them earn it though they got aj hench he's uh the the manager of the the astros that won the world series that you know had cheated <laughs> and all all that stuff uh ended up getting fired from that but uh he's got some roots in detroit and um it, i think it's good to see someone like that and have the success that he has even though maybe it wasn't done the, the correct way to be in a detroit uniform so i just i feel like he's going to take this team got a he's kind of got a rebuilding process going on here i i think maybe late to the season he's going to make minnesota really earn it but I, I i still think the twins end up on top of winning this division so let's jump to the al west who do you got here 
Final division, the AL, just looking at this, this division, I just feel like is murky. Just murky because of Oakland's always that Gonzaga-type team where they always seem to bring themselves in the conversation of years and then they they might fade out, they come back in. Los Angeles Angels always seems like they're trying to make moves to put their roster in the best position, but I think it's going to be that team that some fans still have sour feelings about. The Houston Astros, I think, end up winning the AL West. I, even though they've lost some big arms here for the time being, I just think they find a way to put together. Their franchise has been on a good track the last few seasons, and I'm feeling like they'll reclaim the division crown for the AL West. Who do you have, Nathan? I have the Houston Astros. Not only do they have a hot start to the season, I'm just a big fan of Dusty Baker. I really liked him in Washington. I think he's a great coach. They have a lot of talent there too, you know, and it's it's a great roster. He's a great coach, and I I, I just think he's he's going to be able to, to win this division for the Houston Astros, so I got them, them making it. So let's jump to... The National League. Let's start with the uh, NL East. Who do you got and why? All right. NL East, this is one just like the AL Central. I feel like this division will be a lot of flip-flopping, jumping around, teams not establishing their footing quite as well as some of the other divisions we're going to look at here or have already talked about. A lot of people are on the Mets train. I am not one in that boat. Uh, they haven't done a lot to convince me. I They feel like a team that's always trying to find those solutions. They're kind of the equivalent of the early 2000s Washington football team, because I don't know if I can call them what they used to be then. Anyways, the Washington football team where they spend a lot in free agency, get a lot of different people, but they never seem to put it together. People that follow the sport have fallen in love with that. Braves the last two seasons won it. Right now, I'm going to go with the team that's looking good early on, and I'm going to say that the Philadelphia Phillies will end up winning the NL East. Who do you have, Nathan? I agree here. I think the Phillies... Uh, will win this. I think they're the most talented. They, they've got the money to pay for the the guys that they need. Um, so as long as the management can just get this team rolling the way they need to, there's no way they they should lose this division. I think the Braves are a great team uh, that could challenge them. But I agree with you. Uh, the Mets, no, that I'm not on that train either. So referring to the Oakland A's, uh, the Gonzaga comparison, I really like that. They seem to. Have a good regular season, and, and but when the lights shine the brightest, they're just their little money ball uh, method doesn't always work for them. So uh, I like that comparison. Anyways, let's jump to the NL Central. Who do you got there? NL Central, I really feel like it's between two teams. Even though Cincinnati's had a great start, I don't think in a marathon it's going to be sustainable. I think they fall behind. I feel like this is between Milwaukee and Chicago. Really a coin toss for me on this one. I think it's going to be tight towards the end. And I'm just going to say, not with a ton of confidence, I'm actually going to go with a dark horse here. And I'm going to go with St. Louis Cardinals. Always been a well-run organization. And they picked up Nolan from Colorado. I feel like he'll make a difference right away with the roster. And right now, Currently, at the recording of this, their second. I'm going to go with St. Louis Cardinals because I just have more confidence in their franchise. Bro, did you peek at my cheat sheet? I mean, you literally took the words out of my mouth. I was like, yeah, Milwaukee, Chicago. Nope, St. Louis. Yeah, I picked St. Louis too. They're going to be back. It's just a great organization. You know, they're, it's not an organization that's going to be down very long. So they, they need to get back to the playoffs because baseball needs that. And exactly what i was gonna say they got nolan uh out of from colorado i i'm a somewhat of a colorado fan <laughs> just because my wife's from denver and i've been to rocky's game and i got a trevor story uh 
jersey, shirt jersey. Uh, he's a shortstop for the Colorado. So uh, I'm a big fan of his. But I, I saw Nolan play for the Rockies. He's a great player and um, I think a great piece for that for that team. And, uh, yeah, they're my dark horse as well. So, oh, the forecasters, man, we, we're always on the same page, it seems like. So let's jump to the NL West. Who do you got? NL West team dominated by someone with a higher bankroll than the other teams. Uh, last few seasons, Los Angeles Dodgers have been winning it. San Diego put themselves in a very good conversation, had a playoff run. As much as I want to see the Padres possibly win it, I just feel like Los Angeles, with the money they have and their willingness to make moves to make sure their team's in the best position, I feel like the Dodgers are going to win that division again. Who do you have, Nathan? Yep, Dodgers. Uh, I don't have much to say. They're talented. They have money. They have a good coach. It's over. They're going to win. Yeah, Padres, they're good too, but they're going to be the little brother for quite some time to the Dodgers. 100% agree. It's just that that division wasn't much of a contest. I was just trying to hype up another team real quick. It'll be nice to see the Padres make it to the playoffs. Maybe they can make some noise. Dodgers have, like you said, great coach, franchise willing to make lots of moves to make sure they're in position similar to the Yankees. It's just the stars seem to be there for them. We'll revisit here around all-star break but for now we're going to put a cap on our mlb talk and we're going to roll into the next thing the big event for this weekend is the masters one of golf's premier events is going to be starting on thursday by the time we get this episode out on friday we'll be going into day two we're going to be looking at different aspects of it so nathan you go ahead and explain what you started talking about at the top of the show of one of the things we're going to look at and we'll kind of talk about the other items we're going to try to forecast about this event yeah, so Masters, man, it's the granddaddy of them all for golf and an awesome tournament. It's I'm glad to see it again here in April and not November. <laughs> but uh, so we're gonna play a little game here. We're not just gonna like guess the winners. We're gonna do a little something here. So we're gonna start off what their final score is. How many bogeys will there be amongst the top three winners of the tournament in the final round? And then what will the final hole score be for the champion? Like a birdie, a par eagle bogey etc etc and then we'll finish with the top three finishers so we'll 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 go ahead ahead on these and and then we'll give our top three finishers and so so we'll just just like golf right low score wins for that so you'll just add up whatever you pick for your who you think are going to be the top three finishers or if they end up finishing you add up whatever place they were together so obviously the lower the score the better because that means your top three finishers finished up you know higher up in the rankings so that is what we're gonna do so let's just go back and forth here uh masters man let's get pumped how many under par will the champion be very interesting thing to bring up especially since in november dustin johnson had a course record of 20 under par i don't think that's gonna be the case for this one uh november is very unique circumstances especially with weather being back around this time of year where we're used to seeing the Masters. That when I'm looking at this, the score under par has always been somewhere in low teens, high single digits. But the number I'm feeling good about for this weekend, based on possible rain, usually high winds follow that. So I'm going to settle around the number 12. I believe the winner is going to be 12 under par for this tournament. Once again, Nick has copied my cheat sheet. Gosh, we can't have the same score here. I also had minus 12. 
I'm going to do something different because this is a competition between the two of us. So I don't want us both to tie. I'm actually going to go one under. I'm going to go my minus 11. I'm going to be that guy. So basically, there it is. If it's minus 11 or higher, I win. If it's minus 12 or lower, you win. Easy enough. But uh, back in this, it's going to be back in the spring, though. So I think the scores are going to be a little bit lower than last year. Uh, and we'll see how it goes. But let's go to the next one. What's the next one? The next one we have here, and I'll let you pick first, Nathan. That way you have that first shot at it, is how many bogeys will there be amongst the top three finishers in the final round? So what we're looking at is once it's all over, how many bogeys were there for first, second, and third? Now, if there's a tie in any of those places, we'll just count the top three names that they give us. So how many bogeys will there be in that final round, Nathan? Yeah, so this is... Gosh, it could be all over the place. So there's a chance for rain on Sunday. And actually, Friday through Sunday, there's chances of rain. So I'm actually glad I went minus 11 there (laughs) to to sneak under you. So I I suspect there's going to be a little bit more than normal. I initially was thinking about five or six. But I think, you know, with the the rain going into Sunday, you're going to want to be up near the top um, because it's going to be hard to be a little bit more risky with with the weather. So... I suspect the top threes play a much more conservative game, probably get a bogey here or there. Uh, maybe one of them drop because they're trying to be a little too aggressive and not. So I'm going to actually, th- I'm going to, I'm going to say there's going to be seven bogeys between the top three at the end of the day. I think it's, uh, which is, uh, you know, average it about two or three per, per player. Uh, I think they're going to be playing not to lose and not attacking as much. And, and maybe you see a couple more bogeys than what we normally do. Uh, what number do you have? Uh, first, great, great number. Based on the last four years, it's been in that five to eight range. So definitely in the neighborhood I was thinking as well. I wasn't sold on the number of seven. I'm going to be optimistic and try to say it's going to be one less than that, actually. Uh, last, out of the last four years, it's been six, five, eight, six. So I'm going to stick with the number six. Six seems to be a nice, consistent number. Doesn't mean it's going to land on that, but six is a bogey number I feel like will be good. Like you said, the top three are going to be probably a little more conservative, trying to make sure they jostle and keep themselves in good contention, therefore taking safer shots and keeping themselves in a good position to make par at the very least. So I'm going to go with six bogeys for the final round for the top three golfers. Perfect. All right. So what will the final hole score be for the champion? All right, so for this hole, we're looking at what will the champion hit for the final hole? Will they hit par, birdie, eagle, bogey, or double bogey? Looking at this, I'm just going based on really that tournament history and what it's looked like the last few years. As much as I would love for it to be dramatic and they have to sync this to go on and stuff, most of the time the champion just needs to play defense. And in golf, how do you play defense? Just make sure you don't give them an opening. How do you make sure you don't give them an opening? You hit par on hole 18. I believe the champion for this tournament will hit par on the final hole. What do you have, Nathan? Yeah, I got par two, but I'm not confident enough to move off that. So <laughs> we'll just both stick with par here and let it be a wash. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the last thing we're going to look at is what Nathan alluded to is we're going to look at the top three finishers. Now, the three individuals we pick, no matter if they finish in top three or not for our scoring system, we're going to, based on their final rank at the end of the Masters, we will add that score up to see who picked the best three, essentially. And whoever has the lowest score will be the winner. Third place. So I, I did a little research here. I ha- I look for trends, right? I, I, 
I don't really follow golf until the Masters. When the Masters are on, because footballs and college basketballs over, that's when I really follow golf. So up to this point, I don't know much. So I got to look at trends. And so basically, my top three. What I'm doing is I'm looking at trends and, and picking who who is most likely to win this tournament based off those trends. And those are going to be the top three people who are most likely to win this tournament. Not necessarily who I think is going to get first, who I think is going to get second, who I think is going to get third. So, looking at the previous 10 tournaments, the most common place the champion gets the year before is around the 30-ish range. So, you know, there are some exceptions. Uh, Patrick Green in 2018 missed the cut the previous year. Uh, Dustin Johnson got second the previous year. But Dustin Johnson gets second in every masters that he does so that's that's a an outlier but like tiger woods in 2018 got 32nd one in 2019 sergio garcia got 34th in 2016 one in 2017 danny willa got 38th in 2015 one in 2016 and there's a few more as well there's a lot of them it's very common so two of my top three are placed in the 30th from the year before so i got tony no, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Tony. Okay, I call him Tony because we're best friends. First name basis here. He is going to get third place. And he's a great golfer. Gosh, I think last year he was like 34th or 38th or in the Masters. I think he's going to be up there in the running. That's what I'm basing it off of. So I got him at third place. Who's your third place guy? My third place gentleman is the champion in November familiarity with the course, I think will help him persevere and come within range of hoping to win it. But I think ultimately Dustin Johnson does not repeat as champion at the masters. I believe he will be the third place finisher, not too much of a stretch, but I, I didn't have him as being champion. So I'm going to put him here in the third spot. Dustin Johnson's who I have. Who do you have for the second spot? Nathan? Interesting choice on DJ. I think he will flop. <laughs> That's my guess. Oh, another, another, uh, tidbit here so i'm gonna my i'm gonna jump to number two here i got bryson dechambeau now i picked bryson dechambeau for a number of reasons first of all nine of the last 10 years golfers were under the age of 40 and five of the last 10 years they were in their 30s so i'm looking for people late 20s early 30s to win this tony is i believe he is 31 years old uh bryson's age he is 27 so i needed someone in their in their 20s because five of the last 10 were under uh, that age. So oh, we're in their 30s and, and nine of the last 10 um, were uh, under 40. So some had to be in their 20s. So I got Bryson battling this year. But the main reason I have him, well, also he finished in the 30s the previous year. So to keep that trend going, I got to have that. But I have to have someone in the 20 years old as well. But the main reason for this guy, he was projected to win it last year and flopped. And... Because he, he, I think he just won like the PGA Championship or he just previously won whatever the other Masters were. The, all the Masters were all mixed up last year. So I, I can't remember the order in 2020. But he won it, whatever the the, the, the the previous major, not Masters, the previous major was last year he won. And he was kind of the favorite to win it this year because he had that powerful drive and people were thinking, oh, he's going to use that powerful drive. And... And I think he got a little cocky, a little over himself, a little ahead of himself, and it just it just didn't really show up. So I think this year he's going to go into it. He's not he's not the favorite. He's not going to be talked about as much, but he can be able to focus on his game. He just recently won a, a tournament this year. 
And I think he's going to have a much better showing. So I have him getting second place in this tournament. Who do you got? Man, I feel bad, but I'm not going to waver from it. I actually have Bryson DeChambeau as well. He won the Texas tournament here last weekend. I feel like he'll have some confidence, but pull himself back from the year before, learn a lot of lessons. I just feel good about how he's been perceived and talked about leading up to this week from different outlets. So I'm going to go with Bryson as well for my second spot. So hopefully our champion doesn't match. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So speaking of the champion, I have a guy who I believe hasn't won the Masters. This might be his only major that he's missing. And correct me if I'm wrong, my history knowledge of golf is limited. I just know golf mainly in the last like three to five years when I started actually playing myself. But this is a guy who finished third last year. He's also in his 30s. And the most common ranking, the most common world ranking in the last 10 majors to win the Masters is 12th. In the last 10 Masters, there have three of the last 10, the The winner was ranked number 12th in the world. And one, and, and then a fourth one was ranked 11th, so right behind it. So four of the last 10 were 11th or 12th. So I'm looking at this ranking. This guy's currently 12th. He's in his 30s. He got third last year, I think. I think this is his year. I think he's he, he needs to get this before he gets too old. And I have the Rory McIlroy winning the 2021 Masters Championship. Who do you got? Excellent pick. I do not have Rory McIlroy, so this will definitely make it more interesting. I'm going to go with an individual who in November played it played very well. Uh, again, hitting your trend of being under 30 as well. A 27-year-old Justin Thomas is who I have winning the Masters this year. He did well in November. I'm kind of playing off the trend of being so recent of playing the course, familiar with the course. Yes, weather will change, but I feel like Justin has been doing well the last few years. And I mean, just he's under 30. I just, he did well in November with it and just feeling good about him coming away with it and hopefully hitting on that one. That's a great pick. Um, If I had to pick a four and a five, JT would be four. But I have Jordan Spieth. I think he's going to do really good for this tournament. He won it as a 21-year-old in 2015. And obviously, we all know what happened in 2016. And he hasn't really recovered lately. But I, I feel like this year, he's playing a lot better golf. I Just just watch for Jordan. I think he's going to make some noise. I don't think he ends up in the top three. But um, I'm rooting for him. And I hope he can break at least that top five. But though, I just got, if I had to pick up some wild cards there, JT Jordan Spieth's four and five. Yeah, that's an interesting about thing about golf. Like you mentioned before, people of the year before or tournament before at the same venue finishing thirtieth and working their way up to being in the top three. It'll be interesting to see if that holds up and seeing how that all shakes out, especially with the weather. Definitely an interesting time to watch the Masters. I know I'll definitely be paying more attention to it than I ever have before previously. So definitely be a fun event to watch just the recap real quick nathan you want to run through your top three and then i'll run through my top three for this one yeah so i got rory mcroy number one bryson dechambeau at two and tony Fano at three in my top three i have one justin thomas two bryson dechambeau as well and then three dustin johnson i feel like the champ will still keep his way up there because the last few years he's been finding a way to be in that conversation so those are our top three for that Again, what we'll do is we'll add up where they 
where they finish after the final day and then see who has the lower score between the two of us. And looking at some of the other things, we both said in the final hole that the champion will hit par. We said amongst the top three at the end of the final round, there will be, I said there would be six bogeys. Nathan said there would be seven bogeys. And then at the the top of this Masters discussion, we said we predicted the score for the champion. Nathan said that the champ will be minus 11. I said minus 12. So a stroke difference. So definitely a lot of things we unboxed here today, really put a bow on men's NCAA basketball. Uh, fantastic season. Hopefully we can get back more to that interconference play to see more teams playing each other. Touch on the MLB, talking about the different division winners that we had. And then last but not least, the Masters, which is going on this weekend. Nathan, any last thoughts? Uh, not, no. Uh, NBA is uh, finishing up, so we're going to have to jump back into that. you got Aaron Rodgers hosted Jeopardy for the next couple of weeks, so that's awesome. You know, even though March Madness is over, there's there's a lot of great things here in the spring and summer. And so, and you know, you always got the NFL. we got the NFL draft coming up at the end of the month, so you're going to hear our mock drafts. So there's still a lot to look forward to, and I'm, and I'm looking forward to making many more episodes. We've reached number 10, but like Nick said at the beginning, we are not fatigued. We're ready to keep going and forecasting because that's what we do and that's how we roll. So let's let's continue this. Well put, Nathan. As the sports world turns, we will turn with it as well, trying to see what's coming up ahead. Lots of exciting events coming up and things to look back at, like when the Masters conclude here and other items. So thank you so much for joining us tonight, folks. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Nathan Singer. I'm Nick Alvarez. Together we are the Sports Forecasters, and we'll talk to you next time.